everybody, and welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Four Star Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DuPont, joined by Andrew Freeman and Nick DeCola. And the Bears have won two games in a row. And not only two games in a row, two divisional games in a row. We are now 5-8, and eight, which is, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we're one game back of a wild card playoff spot currently occupied by the Packers with a fairly soft schedule coming up. So um, I'll let you guys go first. I, I was able to actually watch uh, a replay of the game. I did not get to see it live, but I did watch a replay. So I am well informed on this one, but I'll let you guys have the floor. Well, I yeah. should I should point out before we dive into the Bears that we are one game behind the Packers thanks to the heroic efforts of uh, one Tommy DeVito, Tommy Pisano Cutlets. passing machine, Tommy Cutlets. Inarticulate Italian from, noises. Hey. From the University of Illinois. I loved Tommy DeVito before it was cool, and I demand credit for it. That's should we show your mock draft on here? Just Yes, to, yes. Just we, well, yeah, so basically, last February, I put together a mock draft, and it was all Illini players. It was Devin Witherspoon, um, Quan Martin, Sidney and Chase Brown, and Tommy DeVito. And that was the only, those are the only players I drafted. And then I traded everything else for picks. And that would have been a pretty good draft if you look at what they've done in the NFL so far this season. So I don't know. Maybe you guys should start listening to me more when I tell you these Illini guys are, uh, are going to be dudes. Maybe, maybe. Maybe you should. Maybe I'll consider Or not. It. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll I'll, I'll, I will let my track record speak for itself. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, anyway, not only are the Bears uh, a game out of the wild card spot, they still because uh, the NFC is garbage and there's a ton of you know five and eight teams out there. They still have the number five pick in the NFL draft if the uh, season would would end today. So literally did not change anything in regards to standing. So it was like almost an ideal week in terms of. You still kept the draft positioning, and you got to win against a divisional opponent, um, against the division leading lines, I should say. So, yeah, I mean, it's just really good stuff all around. I was at the game. Uh, I think I mentioned this on the pod last week. So. Oh yes, we need yeah. The food so review. it was. We'll, we'll do that later. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to see everything. Else. Yeah, I'll get you guys my uh, food report <laughs> at the end here. But it was pretty cool to see it live. Um, I mean, my initial impressions, you know, just from seeing the game, I, I haven't gone back and watched a film or anything. Um, just a really solid all-around win. It really felt like the Bears were, and really for the second time they played the Lions this year, it felt like they were the better team for this entire game. And this time they finished it out, which was the key. Because last time, obviously, you know, they were the better team for about three and a half quarters, and they let it all slip away at the end. This time, you know, the defense came alive in the second half, like, didn't allow a first down on the first five drives of the second half. So they were they were dominating out there. They they really, really got to Jared Goff in this one, made him uncomfortable once again. And um, I mean that to me, that's the story of the game. The defense, you know, we can talk about the offense in a bit here, I'm sure. Um, but the defense really is the big thing for me because they've just gotten better and better as the season's gone along. As as much as it pains me to have to give Matt Eberflus credit for something the defense has been significantly better since he took over for Alan Williams, who uh, left under dubious circumstances. We're not going to get into that, but um, no, th this defense has been incredible. Like with the addition of Montez sweat, he's been an absolute game changer. Javon Dexter, Andrew's favorite draft prospect has, has looked say. really good. 
has looked really good. He's he's it feels like he's coming into his own that multiplier for your sack. Exactly. Exactly. That multiplier effect with Montez Sweat on the line opened up opportunities for um, other guys up and down the line. Iberflus is getting really creative with the pressures he's bringing, the blitzes he's bringing. I'm sure people that are way smarter than me can break the film down better. But it's it's been a really fun few weeks to watch what the and look look you can say what you want about the competition hasn't been all that great but the lions have had a really good it's been mostly bad but the lions are a good team they're a good team they've had a good offense so far ben johnson is everybody's favorite next head coach of the bears even though it's probably not going to happen but you know it's you know this defense has been good and i i I unfortunately have to give eberflus credit for that yeah i mean and I'll say this before Jordan goes, but like for what Ben Johnson, I'll say this watching it live, like Ben Johnson is is a fun play caller. I will say, like all the stuff that he does to kind of set things up, he does put that offense in the best position to succeed on a regular basis. It's just like when your quarterback's Jared Goff, like eventually you're gonna get the Jared Goof games, and this is a classic Jared Goof game where he, you know, you get a hint of pressure and he's just gonna fall apart because that's what he does. So. I will say I'm still on the on the Ben Johnson train, but it is looking, you know, by week here, week by week, it's looking like that's probably not going to happen because I think Iberflus is kind of setting up a scenario here to to save his job. Which I mean, man, how about that? After basically all of us <laughs> calling for his job pretty much all year long. Well, I think he. Sorry, Jordan, go ahead. You haven't talked in a while. I'll let you talk. <laughs> do you do you want me to do my breakdown of the game, or do you want me to do my implications that are going to piss you yeah, off? Because I think do the impl- do the implications. Okay. I right. feel like yeah. So I actually I made some notes, and I'm just going to rattle through them real quick. Who the hell was calling plays on the first drive? Because it definitely wasn't Luke Getzey. Roshan Johnson is an incredible pass blocker. I think we need him in the game more. Uh, Justin Fields was absolutely slinging the ball this game. The decision-making was a lot quicker, still had a few that he held on to far too long, but overall the decision-making on Fields' part was a lot quicker than it has been. Definitely took too many hits. Uh, DJ Moore is a stud, and the defense balled out. I mean, like we were talking about, since the addition of Montez Sweat, we are a top-five defense in the league, period. End of discussion. Statistically, we are a top five defense since adding Montez Sweat. So um, it it has been fun to watch. I mean, that was a really complete game. Um, Cole Komet also has not dropped a pass this year, if I remember correctly. At least in his last, like, I think, I can't remember the number. It was either 65 or 85, but out of however many targets, he has not had a drop, period. I mean, he signed his deal and he, he is playing like he deserves his deal. He's, he's been an excellent tight end this year. Um, I don't know, man. It, it was a good game. It was a really good game. And going into this Browns game next week with both their starting left and right offensive tackles out for the rest of the year with our defense, the way it's been playing against a geriatric Joe Flacco, who I know has been playing well, but I don't know. I think with our defense, Joe Flacco was elite. Yeah, he's respect on his name. I don't know, man. I think next week's going to be a fun game too. He's I elite. really do. Yeah, I mean, I will say this: like, I'll be honest. I thought Fields was pretty mid in this game. 
based off of what I saw because he left a lot in the field. He made some really spectacular plays. And this one, especially that one where like they, they brought six and I, I think it was in like, they were on that on their own end zone. He avoided it in the pocket. He ran for the throw. Like that stuff is just ridiculous. The fourth down play to DJ Moore is fantastic. How many, how many I times? Did, yeah. Like, <laughs> that, by the way, like the bears were not planning on snapping the ball. Like no, they were not going to snap that ball. They were not going to snap it. So I don't know what the lions in many ways kind of like shot themselves in the foot all day long in this one. It was really a story of like, yes, the bears were the better team uh, for most of this one, but the lions really just like, they had a touchdown off the, took it off the board early in the game. Cause Jameer Gibbs dropped the pass that would have gone for a touchdown on a little screenplay. Um, they just like the fumble snap uh, by Jared Goff that put the bears in scoring position. Like they made a lot of really stupid mistakes that kind of cost them the game. Um, and that was the biggest one. Like how, like Cole Komet was talking about this in the locker room. He literally said like, like it was the most obvious, like we're going to bring it all the way down to the end here and just like take the delay of game to punt it situation. Like that was their plan. And the lions for whatever reason decided to jump off. So like, I mean, you got to take it and take advantage obviously. And that's what they did. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of fields play, like honestly, like I thought he, I, I will say, I thought he left a lot of meat on the bone. In this game, I, I feel like honestly, for as bad as how Getsy called the game against Minnesota, I thought he called a pretty damn good game in this one. They were receivers open all day long yep. in this game. And you know, he, he was able to take advantage on some plays, but there was a play early in the game where he had Cole Komet wide open for a touchdown that he just completely just did not see. I don't know if it was just not part of the progression, um, but it was a bootleg play where Cole Komet's the, the top option in the route. So Usually in those situations, he's the first read and he's wide open and he missed it there. There were a couple other plays where he, you know, Darnell Mooney's wide open. He's not seeing it. He had a couple misses on some bad throws here and there, but you know, he made enough plays to win the game as well. So, you know, if we want to get into like the bigger term discussion about like fields, long-term outlook with the bears, I don't know if it changes anything from today outside of just like he helped the team win a game in a game that, they weren't really expected to win, which is always kind of a good building block moment, I guess, for your team. Well, it, I don't know. I think we're all being too hard on Justin, man. I mean, over the last five starts, he's got I, – I was going to try and pull up the tweet. I was hoping you were going to keep talking a little bit more. But, I mean, he he has one of the top QBRs in the league – he didn't throw an interception. He didn't fumble at all against the Lions, so no turnovers. His TD to interception ratio is really good this year. I, I want to say it's like 25 or 26 to 11. He has steadily improved all three years that he's – or the last three years. I uh, Are we at the time where I can say it now, or should I hold back a little bit longer? I'll say it. I'll no, just, just say it. Just say it. You, you've been I don't teasing us trade for too long. I don't want to trade him. I don't. I, so, yeah, finish your thought. Finish your thought. I understand that Caleb Williams could potentially be a game changer, but we've finally got a defense around him that's balling out. Um, we finally got some decent offensive weapons with the opportunity to gain a lot more either by trading back or by hanging on to our top picks and, you know, just take Marvin Harrison and a stud offensive lineman in the first round. 
the only and you know what polls is keeping his job at this point because i think the montez sweat trade has locked up ryan polls job at this rate i'm fine keeping matt Nagy. montez sweat got interviewed and was talking about how much he likes matt Nagy. the only person i want to see out of this Nagy. building still is luke gets Nagy. or sorry Eberflus. my bad <laughs> i literally i took a nap and woke up right before this no 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 Eberflus. i'm fine keeping flus um Montez Sweat was saying really good things about Flus. The only person I want to see out of the building next year is uh, Luke Getze. Because I, I, I still don't think, yes, he he called a pretty decent game against the Lions, but he hasn't shown it consistently enough to play to Justin Fields' strengths, where I think if we get somebody that can properly utilize a mobile quarterback, I think Justin could be a dude. And I'm willing to hang on to him for a few more years, pay him the money, to see if we can make that happen. So you'd be willing to pay him a $50 million contract at the end of the season. Yes. If he can say, okay, I, I'm going to caveat my statement a little bit. I want to see how he does against the Browns before I lock that answer in. But that is what I'm trending towards is if he continues to play the way he has been playing, I would give him the money. Okay. So let's look at Justin Fields stats here in terms of passer rating. He's about league average this season. He still has among the worst sack rates in the NFL, so he's still a sack machine out there when he's out there playing. Adjusted net yard per attempt, he's way below average. And if you're going in the advanced analytics here, you know, PFF grades, whatever, I, I say what you want about PFF grades. I mean, I think they're very useful, and they kind of go into stuff that goes beyond the box score. He is nothing more than a mediocre passer. They have him as 18th in passer, passing grade in terms of overall quarterback grade. He is ranked 18th as well. So right now you're looking at a mediocre average starting quarterback. So we're willing to commit to an average starting quarterback. $50 million per year for an average starting quarterback when you have the chance to potentially get an elite quarterback in the draft on a rookie contract. I think I'm you just, look, I'm just saying, like, I'm just no, saying. I, and it's a valid argument. It's an argument we're going to be having till the end of the year. I think if you couple... It, it, okay, if you take mediocre passing quarterback, middle of the road, plus the ability he has, like he showed in that play you were describing, to dodge Aiden Hutchinson and Alex Anzalone on the goal line and turn it into a 20-yard gain. I understand we don't want him doing that all the time, but if you couple those two things together and – if he continues to play the way he's been playing the five games since he's gotten back from his injury, then yes, I would, I would commit the money. So you commit to money to the money, even though he takes at least five or so shots okay, a game. Look, look and I think all the time, I, I'm just saying like, there's a lot of factors that go into this. I understand. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm not there yet. I, nothing has really changed my view on this. And it's like, I love Justin. I think he's a great guy. Every time I've interacted with him, um, whether it's at training camp <clears throat> or you know in the locker room after games, super nice guy, very professional, um, and I I've always been a guy I've always wanted to root for him and always wanted to succeed. It's just it's really tough for me to overlook some of the glaring flaws here, where you have to run a very specific scheme to get the most out of him, where you have to you know basically revolve your entire offense around the fact that he cannot be an effective pocket passer consistently because he just can't process things. And he still struggles to process things in year three. It's just, it's really, 
it's really like I'm glad he's playing well, and he's certainly making this a very tough decision for Ryan Poles because trust me, the guys in that locker room, and this is the other thing that's part of the conversation as well. And I'm sure it's going to be part of the the factoring into the decision. The guys in the locker room love him. Like that, that is a fact. Like all the players are behind him. Uh, the coaching staff seems to all be behind him. I'm sure like Ryan Poles probably is falling in love with the guy. I'm um, just getting to know him more in the building as well. Like it's really tough to get past. Like Justin feels the guy, the leader in the locker room is awesome. It's just that like, man, it, it's just really tough for me to get there. And I think this Cleveland Browns game is going to be huge for a variety of different reasons, right? It's going to be huge for Justin Fields going forward because this is a top defense in the NFL. They've been kind of playing a little bit worse recently, uh, the Browns have, but they're still statistically like the best defense in the NFL this season or at least one of the top two or three. Miles um, Garrett is you know, playing like a defensive player of the year as a pass rusher right now. Like he's going to be getting after Fields in this game. Like this is a huge test for Fields and this entire Bears team, I think. And we'll see if they sh- how how things shake out because they could show up and they get a win here. Like it's going to set them up very well to get into the playoff race even more, where they're already starting to kind of get in that direction. If they lose, though, then I think you're kind of in a situation where it's like, oh man, well it was nice to be in the, in the playoff race for a little bit now. Where do we where do we go from here? You know what I mean? So we're looking at a really big week coming up here for this Browns game. I think. I think it's also worth pointing out that a big reason we're having these conversations about Justin Fields at this moment, I don't think we'd be having this intense of a conversation about him if we weren't in a position to draft Caleb Williams, if we weren't in a position where we had the number one overall pick and we're able to get this elite rookie prospect, this elite prospect on a rookie contract. I think if we were picking like five or six, if we didn't have a shot at Williams or May or whoever, uh, whoever JTO Sullivan tells me he likes, because then I'm just going to take his opinion. Um, <laughs> um, then I think Ryan Poles would be just happy rolling with Justin Fields for next year, at least, you know, because he has been improving. We have seen a little bit of improvement, but again, the, the consistency hasn't been where we'd want it to be for it to be for it, basically there's still questions around him. And when you have the opportunity to take a guy, like I take an elite quarterback, prospect on a rookie contract it's the best thing you can do for your team in the nfl so it's it's and i'm saying this as somebody that loves justin fields i i got his jersey before he even played a snap well i i didn't get it my girlfriend at the time bought it for me because for like a month after he was drafted i would not shut the hell up about justin fields like 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 she'd be like hey what do you want to watch oh let's watch uh clemson versus ohio state in the college football playoff and she'd be like we watched that like three nights in a row so uh we're still watching not actually but you you get my point i love justin fields and i want him to succeed whether that's with the bears whether that's preferably with the bears but if it's not with the bears then whatever he does because i still think he can be great but you know it just kind of sucks that for him that the bears are in the position that they're gonna be yeah i think i forgot who tweeted it out there but there's a uh, writer out there he he writes for more of a national blogging website he's a big quarterbacks guy uh, on twitter and he, he the sentiment he kind of gave is that like justin fields is clearly showing um consistent growth but it's not rapid enough and there's still enough inconsistency where it's probably best for both sides to kind of you know go their separate ways with the opportunity that the bears have to to make the selection and kind of reset things but I mean, it's going to be – It's he's making it tough. 
I think he is. He's definitely making it tough because there hasn't been really that stinker yet. Um, although the Vikings was game was almost close to a disaster um, before the final drive, um, hasn't really had that stinker yet. Um, and he he has played some solid football, I will say. But to me, I mean, look, I, I still think I, I'm in the position where I, I think if you're the Bears, you're in a huge pivot point coming up here. And I'm always of the opinion that you try to swing big and you don't, you know, you don't worry about the consequences if you fail. But yeah, it's, 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 it's why, it's why we talk about it all year. It's, it's, it's definitely going to be a, a tough conversation to have uh, for the remainder of the season for sure. I don't know. For me personally, I am just so sick of the quarterback carousel we've been on. And if we have an opportunity to stay consistent and grow with somebody, I'm kind of of that opinion at this point. And I like what I've been seeing lately. I think there is still room for growth, obviously, but that's both a blessing and a curse because I think he's going to continue to get better. I don't think we're going to see any major regression. Um, and I know you said this point, Andrew, probably about five minutes ago now about having to scheme, do an offensive scheme specific, like a very specific, sorry, start over, do a very specific scheme for the type of player that Justin Fields is. My counterpoint would be uh, Cam Newton did in fact take the Panthers to a Super Bowl. I understand they were up against the Broncos defense and wound up losing that game, but they still went to a Super Bowl with Cam Newton. And Personally, I think Justin Fields has an opportunity to be a better player than Cam was. Um, well, Cam threw for 4,000 yards as a rookie with really crappy weapons. So say what you want about Cam Newton, but he was proven as a passer from year one. And I don't think Justin's yet to throw, what, for 3,000 yards in a season? It's just – it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm just I saying. Like, and a lot of that's play calling, I, I think. I do think a lot of it's play calling, but – it's hard to throw for that many yards when every other play is a screen pass. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I think, do you guys have any other points you want to make or should we move on to other things? Let's get to my food review because I've been really waiting for this one. Okay. We can do the food review. Yeah. yeah that's, well, this is what I, this is what the fans are here for. Absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, for all, look, it should be said, like soldier field has had a, uh, reputation in the past of not having the greatest press box food um, in the past, at least from what I've heard. Um, and Kevin Warren, it sounds like he's made a concerted effort to really improve on it. So to, so for Sunday, for this game, um, they had a, your classic breakfast spread, you know, had some eggs and bacon and sausage. They got some donuts in there, you know, just pretty, pretty basic uh, breakfast selection. Um, for lunch they had for us, um, they had a pretty interesting spread there. They had these uh, corned beef sliders, which were pretty solid, I, I, I will say. They, I'm, I'm, I'm a big corned beef fan, so I, I, I didn't mind it. Um, they had chicken tenders, uh, which are, you know, your basic chicken tenders food. I will say uh, the biggest issue with the chicken tenders was not the chicken tenders themselves. The chicken tenders are quite solid. The issue was the dipping sauces that went with it. The only two options were barbecue sauce or honey mustard. And it's like, can I get like a hot sauce or a ranch to go with one of those? Like, you're going to have, ch you know, chicken tenders. You got to get a better dipping sauce for that. So in my opinion, the Bears kind of took an L 
for the dipping sauce to go with, you know, that there. You know, the salad option was pretty solid. They had a Caesar salad, but they went with a full Julius Caesar salad in the name option for it, which I thought was very interesting. I didn't know that they were going with the full Julius Caesar salad um, from a naming option for it. I mean, it was pretty solid overall, but um, yeah, other than that, I mean, nothing too crazy. They had some pasta, which I did not trust. Um, it looked pretty iffy, I will say. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And, you know, Nick and I are spoiled because we come from Italian families. So um, mm-hmm. you don't want to. I, I didn't trust it. So I didn't I didn't, go, I didn't try it out. So, you know, overall, I, I would say, you know, it, it was a pretty meh lunch fair, I will say. And they also had some deep dish pizza, which looked absolutely disgusting. So, uh, you know, so I didn't I did not try that. So. Was it was it the like Connie's that they serve in the concourse or I don't know, man. It was I was going there fully expecting like, oh man, maybe they got some like Giordano's or some Lou's or something. It was like, no, it was it was yeah, it was, it was just Connie's. pretty pretty it was probably Connie's. So I'd probably give it if I, if I were to grade it C minus. You know, it was fine. It, it was nothing spectacular, unfortunately, which you know it's unfortunate. Yeah, I over two in terms of getting a good, a good lunch option this year for me, which is is pretty sad. Breakfast is fine, but you know it's breakfast food. Can't really ruin that. Let let this let it be known to the world that Andrew will not only be absurdly pessimistic about your football team, basketball team, but also the lunch you serve him. Absolutely, absolutely. I have really high standards. Okay, if you don't meet them, you're getting. You're getting, you're getting the full full package. Say one positive thing about the lunch. <laughs> the chicken tenders were quite good. Okay. On their own. It's, you know, dipping sauce. So, need to up your so does this mean does this mean that if we get big enough to where we all get press access as a podcast? You never know. Kid right. can dream. Let let the kid hope, okay? Mm-hmm. So does this mean that if we all wind up getting press box access at some point that we have to do a food like a we should do a whole separate food review video for the press food i mean every time we go don't have to but i mean hey i'm just saying it'd be a good little side episode like fun thing for like tiktok or whatever yeah could be good i mean i just hope that the next time i go it's you know it's something really spectacular i want to be wild i i have not been wild yet i will say so kevin warren i mean i know you got a big stadium to think about but Got to up your game there, man. Just saying. Maybe with the new stadium comes better food. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping. It's going to be a while, though. All right. Well, time to move on. Uh, do we want to do? What do we want to do next? Let's Bulls. get the Bulls out of the way. I know they've been better. Still winning without Zach, but I think did they play the Bucks like? A night or two ago, I saw like highlights yep. on. Yeah, they lost to the Bucks. So I'm trying to see exactly what their week looked like. So they actually had a four game winning streak. You know, they beat the Bucks, they beat the Pelicans, the Hornets, and the Spurs. You know, not a lot of good teams, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it goes like to what we said last time we were on on here. Like they've been playing their best ball with Zach. You know, not in the lineup, which. I don't think is the most surprising thing um, because it's allowed guys like Kobe White, you know, to really flourish. Kobe White had a really fantastic game against the Bucks despite the L. Um, 
probably one of his best games of the season, you know, 12, 20 from the floor, 33 points, um, just really, really efficient six of 10 from three. So, um, I, the offense just moves so much better and flows so much better without Levine. And it's not that Levine is necessarily look, I'm not trying to say that Levine is a bad player, but this is the issue with a player like Levine is that he's such a good scorer with the ball in his hands that he needs the ball in his hands to really be effective. He doesn't really bring anything else besides the scoring aspect of things. And when you're not a great playmaker, not a great defender, not a great off ball player, it just limits how well you can affect how a team plays. Right. And unfortunately, like for me, we're, we're starting to see evidence that like, it's just the, the team just operates better when he's not there kind of taking up all the possessions. Right. Like it allows DeRozan to get more involved in the offensive attack and, and be more of a facilitator for guys. It allows Kobe white to be, uh, more aggressive offensively. Like Patrick Williams can get more involved offensively uh, without Levine there. You know, Vucevic is still, ugh, you know, this year, but, you know, it allows theoretically Vucevic to get more touches in spots where he can be more effective, right? So I think what we're seeing here is that the Bulls at this point, and it sounds like they've shut down Levine basically until they can find a trade partner, but they cannot go back to Levine at this point. Like they need to trade him or just sit him out for the rest of of the year, basically, because it just the the entire thing just works better without him there. I saw a report that uh, the Bulls, I and it looks like we lost Jordan for a little bit. Hopefully, he can hop back on pretty soon. But uh, uh, I saw a report that they're not interested in dealing Alex Caruso, and that doesn't nope. seem to make a lot of sense to me, considering he seems like a pretty useful piece to a team trying to make a playoff NBA championship run. And it seems like you could get, you could get something for him. Um, do you have any idea why other than the bulls just being the bulls? Well, this goes with another report that I saw where the bulls, they're not looking if they're going to trade, you know, assets or whatever, like trade Levine, the Rose and whatever they're looking for win. Now players they are not looking for draft picks. If they trade anybody, which hold, is just hold that, stupid. hold that thought. Hold, hold that thought. You said they're looking for win now players, so they're trying to yes. win now. I'm going to look up. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I'm looking up the Bulls record. It's right not now. good. So, Spoiler alert. So uh, they're basically so at a 333 team, winning percentage. Basically at a 333 winning percentage. So their team got it. Uh, so they are nine and fifteen, and they are looking for win now players. Correct. And a team that plays better with their best player not on the court. What are we doing? Correct. What are we, what are we doing? It's just, just why, why, it, why are you the way that you are? I just, I just, I just can't understand. I don't understand this for an office. Like it's just AK, like the, the whole thing on him since he's been here is that he's not interested in tearing down. He's not interested in rebuilding. He, he wants to build a competitive team, but the problem is like, it, it goes back to like, I guess it's kind of like the bears discussion. Like, do you want to settle for mediocrity? Um, with your team, or do you want to actually, you know, go for the big swings and be a true title contender? And clearly, like they're just—he's the perfect GM for Jerry Reinsdorf, I will say, because he is just out there looking for mediocrity. It seems like, and that's—that seems like their goal. So they're, my guess is, they're trying to flip Levine for some veterans that can come in here and help 
contribute to this version of the team. They're not too interested in the draft picks. But I don't know. It's to me, it's just it's it seems silly. And it goes back to the report of like not wanting to trade Car- Caruso. Like Caruso's your best trade asset. Like Take advantage of that. His value is never going to be higher. I know we all love Alex Caruso on this podcast um, for, obvious, for obvious reasons. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's just like, we had, like Nick, get, like you get it, man. Like he, He's not winning anything here with the Bulls. He's a great role player. Like if a team is willing to give up a first-round pick or even like two first-round picks, like – you gotta do it, man. It's just like it's 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 simple supply and demand, I guess. Like this team's not going anywhere. This core is not going over anywhere. Blow it up and start over. I just it just boggles my mind that this front office lacks that much self awareness or is that stubborn about you know being a mid- mediocre middling team. But that's just that's just how the Bulls operate. All right, Andrew, it's time. One unironically positive. Um, They cut out right in the middle. Ah. All right, so one unironically positive takeaway from this week, I think, is what he was going to say. Uh, Kobe White's been fantastic. Uh, Legitimately, he's been really good. Um, And I've never been the biggest Kobe White guy in the past he's always been a fun player to watch because you know of his athletic skill set and when he's on shooting wise he can go on some really hot streak but Kobe White this year he's definitely taken a step up in his game overall um I'm, I'm looking up his stats right now um, he, he you know right now he's shooting you know 43% from three on seven attempts per game 16 points a game um so he, he's definitely starting to take advantage more of you know, Levine not being in the lineup. Um, he's got a career high and true shooting percentage at 58%, um, which I believe is above average for the league. So he's an above average uh, in terms of his sh- overall shooting efficiency. He's scoring much better. His defense is much better. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's legitimately looking like a bright spot for this team. I don't know if he's a guy that can necessarily replace Levine in terms of being that all-star caliber scoring guard um, that can be a go-to player for you um, long-term. But he certainly he certainly looks like a guy who the Bulls got on a pretty good, damn good value for the contract he's on, which is like, I think it's like thir- $13 million per year for like the next three years, which is, you know, for that skill set, pretty damn good. Nice. Cool. Anything else we want to add or – Move on to the Blackhawks. Yeah. They lost the Nuggets tonight. I, I will say this. Can I mention this real quick? Yeah. Um, it was Serbian night for the Bulls game tonight, and you had the Nuggets coming into town. Who's the best player in the Nuggets? Nikola Jokic. You know, Ser- Serbian, obviously. And midway through the – or late in the second quarter, he gets kicked out of the game because he's arguing with the refs on what looked like a pretty mild argument with the refs, and they kicked him out of the game for it. So all I'll just say is like good jobs refs for they you know, kicked I, out. Yeah, they kicked out Jokic on Serbia night. On Serbia night, that, remi- that reminds me of one time I, on Serbia night. That, that reminds me of uh, 
a, a year or two ago, I went to Chicago Wolves game and uh, a group of friends I was going with, we, we went because it was supposed to be like craft beer night as their promotion. Well, we were wrong. It was $2 beer night. And like <laughs> midway through the second period, obviously we took advantage. Uh, midway through like the second period, the refs made like a bad no call or whatever. And I'm sitting there. It's like, wait up way to piss off the minor league hockey fans on $2 beer night. I feel like that's not a great decision. Not, not great at all. Not great at all. You got to have some self-awareness as a ref there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, come on. Like I didn't know this before, but apparently in Chicago, it has like the second largest um, population of Serbians outside of Serbia. So it's a big, it's a that's big Serbian town. You're getting the biggest Serbian star, obviously for basketball in the world coming to town like come on like come on refs like drop the eagle please like it's just it's absurd absolutely absurd well the bulls have two more games this week uh one on thursday oh actually both are against the heat one thursday one saturday thursday is at 6 30 central and saturday is going to be seven central and with that, we'll move to the team that they share the United Center with, the Blackhawks, uh, who have not been playing <laughs> very well of late. Uh, Nick, if you want to dig in there, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. So uh, when we last left, uh, when we last left the Blackhawks, things were kind of uh, not not. I, w- I wouldn't call it a tire fire. Um, I wouldn't call it a disaster. I wouldn't call it a mess. But th- there was a lot going on with this team. You know, with the Corey Perry thing and. Uh, injuries to Taylor Hall, Anthony CU, and all that. Um, things have calmed down a little bit, so now we're back to focusing what with what's important, uh, what's going on on the ice, Connor Bedard's development. Now, obviously, this team is still bottom of the NHL. Um, since we last uh, recorded an episode, let me see, uh, they lost to the Predators 4-3 in a shootout. I believe Connor Bedard scored his first uh, shootout attempt. In that game that was the first time he scored in shootout so that was nice um he beat the ducks and then we beat the blues at home which is always fun because um it's late enough in the show i can swear fuck the blues um and then we lost to the capitals uh sunday a score of four to two we're playing the edmonton oilers right now as we record actually they're uh four minutes left in the first period connor bedard has a goal like like you'd expect um i believe uh ryan nugent hopkins has the goal for the oilers um Honestly, not a whole lot to discuss with the team at the moment. Um, I, w- I, w- I will say right now they are very shorthanded. As this team that was already starting three rookie defensemen at the beginning of the season, they're already shorthanded because uh, Seth Jones is hurt now that that came up today. Uh, Kevin Korczynski, who's had a very good rookie season, has been very solid in defense. He's been away from the team for a couple of days to deal with a family matter. Uh, so uh, they've called up a couple a uh, young defenseman from Rockford, uh, Louis Crevier, who's six. Let me see. I got it. He's six, eight, 228 pounds. He's a big guy. Ooh. Yeah. And <laughs> he's, he's played well in his time. He was a seventh round pick uh, in the 2020 draft. So um, no, he's, he's been, he's been okay. He hasn't seemed overwhelmed. Uh, so that's good. Um, otherwise. Yeah. This team is, but it's been not that great outside of the 18 year old phenom that you had to, rig the lottery to get so that's that's kind of where they're at we need to stop making that joke or people are gonna think we're serious you're not we're not you think i'm joking <laughs> oh man 
Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, look, if you're looking at this season and this past stretch as just solely Bedard development, things are going very according to plan. He has been playing very, very well. He's getting plenty of national media attention for how crazy, insanely talented he is. It, God, it just would help so much if guys weren't getting hurt left and right on this team. It sucks, man. Um, honestly, I, I'm shocked by the fact that we're tied against the Oilers. I know it's only been one period, but I guess the Oilers are 500 right now. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that still is a team with Connor McDavid. They got dry sidles on there, right? Yeah. I think. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is yes. a great player. I mean, they've got tons of really, really good guys on that team. So um, I definitely know what I'm doing when I yeah. get off I, the street I mean, here it's, now. It's what you expect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been kind of a slow week for the Bulls and the Hawks, hasn't it? <laughs> it really has been. All right. Should we talk um, about Shohei? Uh, did we lose Andrew? No. No, Andrew's still there. Um yeah, we'll move on to uh, the Cubs in just a minute. Like we said, they're playing the Oilers right now. Uh, then Thursday, late, late game on the West Coast against the Kraken at Seattle. And then uh, fly back home Sunday for a 2 o'clock game against the Canucks, which uh, also – fuck the Canucks. Um, <laughs> so without further ado, uh, we did think that we would have a Shohei Otani update by the time we recorded. And we do, and it's just not the one we wanted. Uh, Shohei signed a 10-year, $700 million deal with $680 million deferred until after the 10 years of the contract expires. So the greatest baseball player the world has ever seen will be making $2 million a year for the next 10 years and then $680 million after, which to me that signifies that he had no intention of signing with anybody other than the Dodgers the entire time. If he's willing to take that small a salary for that length of time. Um, reports are coming out that the Cubs are also unlikely to land Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Also probably unlikely to trade for Tyler glass. Now it's just, things are not looking good on the North side uh, for all the stuff we were hoping we'd, we'd be see coming through the news. But at least yeah, they better, yeah, they better resign Cody Bellinger at this point. Like yeah, that's they have to. That's where I'm at. Can I just say fuck the Dodgers for doing this? Like, come on. Yeah. Like this is this is insane. You you get a generation legitimately generational baseball talent who's like a top 10 hitter, top five pitcher when healthy, what like whatever. He's like the most insane unicorn baseball player. And he's just like, oh, you know what? I'm fine making $2 million a year. And then you can just like defer the payments to later and just build it. On, on one hand, I do kind of respect it from Shohei's side of it. And I think it's kind of funny that his years on the Angels just like, you know, it, it scarred him so much that he's like, fine, pay me nothing. All right. You can pay me after I'm retired. I don't care. Build a team around me. I want to win. I do kind of respect that. But it just, I I feel like it's overall just bad for baseball that the Dodgers are just going to like, they are, that they're able to have this flexibility. Like imagine like the Cubs are a big market team and we feel it's unfair. Imagine if you're like the Pirates right now and you see that, like if you're a fan of the Tampa Bay Rays, we don't spend a lot anyway. Like 
why even try when the Dodgers like now have the flexibility to just like buy up everybody. And like we've seen deferred money in these contracts. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. Cause it's just, go it's for so it. we got time. Like we got time. We've seen we've okay. Good. Good. We, and like, we've seen, you know, in MLB players like defer money on their contracts and they get paid a bunch later. The Mets very famously with uh, Bobby Bonilla getting paid. What is it like a million dollars? every july 31st for like 30 years after until bought him out until 2025 which ironically enough shohei otani's money will start coming 20, in 2035 24 2035 that's what i meant you're off by, you're off by you're off by 10, 10 years. years uh so math is hard kids this deferred school this deferred so the point is deferred money in the mlb is nothing new but at the same time like we've never seen something this insane we've never seen a 700 million dollar contract period let alone like 98 percent of that contract or whatever it is being just like deferred until after that contract is over i mean it's 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 ins- it really it reminds me of and i don't and you'll remember this if you're a hockey fan in like the late 2000s early 2010s is that what, what nhl teams used to do is when whenever they signed a player to a big extension or whatever, they'd have the extension go like ridiculously long, like 10, 12 years up until when the player was like uh, 40 or 42, something ridiculous like that. And then they would front load that contract. And what that would do is that they would artificially like knock down the cap hit. So it would provide the team more salary cap flexibility. So basically, and then the player would retire with those like years that, with those like years where they're making very little money, they've already made most of the money off their deal, but then they'd retire by the time they retire, they'd maybe only be making like a million dollars a year. So they'd retire. They wouldn't get that money. The team would be off the hook for the cap hit. The the Hawks did this with Marion Hosa's contract. They did this with Duncan Keith's contract and like every NHL team did this. And then the New Jersey devils decided to go insane with it. And then decided to give Ilya Kovalchuk a 17 year contract. And at that point, the NHL stepped in and it was like, okay, no, you're obviously trying to circumvent the cap here. We know what you're doing. We're not going to let you sign that contract. And also we're going to put in these penalties for teams that put these contracts out. So if the player retires early, then you're going to get punished against your cap. So I, I feel like if anything is going to be MLB's moment where they come in and do something about this deferred money or like limit the amount of deferred money you can have, this contract is it because it has to be. They have to do something about this. I, I'm Dodgers sorry. just did Shohei Otani. It should, it should affect your ability to do other things. And it's just, and it doesn't for the Dodgers, just because they have the financial flexibility to do it. They have a player willing to do it, and it's just, it it feels. I think it's just overall bad for the game. Yeah, I mean, I I can't blame the Dodgers because if you can do it, like obviously that's a move that you should absolutely do. But it goes back to the whole like baseball owners. Like, am I sure that the MLB is going to step in and do this? Because they're only going to do what's in the best interest for the owners at this point, right? And for the owners, like, they're going to look for any loophole that they can find to save money in the short term, right? Because what is $68 million really going to be in 10 years here with the rate that things are going right now? Is it really going to be worth Inflation's a killer, man. Inflation is going to absolutely. $68 million now is not going to be $68 million in the future, which I'm sure um, whoever owns the Dodgers, I'm not sure who's on top of my head, um, is, is probably thinking 
uh, of that as well. And I don't know, like, there's a theory out there that, like, apparently, like, maybe Shohei's thinking about um, waiting to defer all of his money till after the, the contract so that he's not in, in uh, California when he's getting the big, Saw that too. The big money. Honestly, I, I really respect that. I, I, I respect, respect that tax well. evasion. If they did this for <laughs> tax evasion purposes, like, go for it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how tax law works with that because the Dodgers are in L.A., but – who knows? Well, it'd, it'd be, be it'd be in, income tax for the state that you live in. So yeah, yeah if yeah. if he's getting six hundred eighty million dollars after he leaves the state of California and moves somewhere else, Shoheyo, Texas, mean, no state income tax. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty genius on his part. Then, I mean, again, like I said, inflation might might impact that a little bit, but in terms of the raw money, I guess. Um, I mean, it just it sucks because. No other baseball team is going to be willing to do something ridiculous like this with the way that the markets have been operating in previous off seasons, right? It's you know you get your occasional big contract like a Bryce Harper contract, um, but for whatever reason, like the owners, a lot of these baseball owners are just not willing to spend the money. And I respect the Dodgers for willing, being willing to do something crazy like this, though. And I, as much as it is bad for the game overall like they're a big market team acting like a big market team right like they're they're going out there they're spending money they're making big trades um they're looking to get big names into the building no matter what they have to do to do it as frustrating it is like i guess like i i just gotta say i respect it in a way it's just it's frustrating because man i really wanted him to be here in chicago man <laughs> that would have been nice uh, it would have well, been real nice, nice. The other part to consider here, um, actually, I'm going to back up. So first of all, shout out to Obvious Shirts. I don't know if you guys have seen the shirts they designed for uh, the Shohei extension. The, Lo- the Los Angeles the, Tax Dodgers. The Los Angeles Tax Dodgers. And I think they one of the two Shohei shirts that they came out with, um, they are going to be donating $5. Of They're deferring $5 to a charity. Yes. <laughs> So uh, definitely check that out if this also pisses you off. Um, but it, this gives me shades of the evil empire of the late 90s and early 2000s when the Yankees were just winning freaking everything. And you know what's not fun in sports? When the same team wins everything over and over again. And so I'm, there's a sick, twisted part of me that's hoping the Dodgers continue to do what the Dodgers do, and that is fail miserably in either the World Series or the NL Championship Series, despite having the highest payroll and the best players in baseball. Um, the only year they won was the Mickey Mouse 2020 World Series because of COVID. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, MLB's got to do something about this because this is just, it's egregious. You can't be paying the best player on the planet $2 million a year for 10 years until he retires. That's just, there's, you already paid. Sorry, the Cubs paid Jason Hayward, just for reference, the Cubs paid Jason Hayward like $21 million last year, a player that did not play for them. (laughs) Ken Griffey Jr. will be, being Ken Griffey Jr. is being paid more by the Reds next year than the Dodgers are paying Shohei Otani. That's real. Well, Look that up. Yes. Somewhere, somewhere, Bobby Bonilla is smiling because Bobby Bonilla. This is, this is taking the Bobby Bonilla 
contract and just taking it to the Bo- Bobby Bonilla walked so Shohei could fly. <laughs> I don't man. I just I I don't like it. It stinks. Something's rotten in Denmark. It's just you shouldn't be able to do that. I, I'm yeah. sorry. You should not. And I am, you know, you yeah. guys know me. I am never one for adding rules. I don't like adding rules. Take that how you will, but you need to add a rule here because this, it, the competitive balance is already so skewed towards larger market teams that can't afford to go over the luxury tax. It is a very soft salary cap in baseball. Well, so you already mean, have these. It means nothing without a salary floor as well. This is true. And that's the big problem with the NLB because you get a lot of these teams that owners know that they can turn a profit by just barely spending on on their teams. And that's what creates the competitive disbalance. You're going to get teams like the big market teams that are willing to spend all the money. But the small market teams, like, yeah, part of that is they, they can't afford to do that. But also, like, the owners are willingly just not putting out the best product possible because they don't want to spend the money. So it goes both ways, I guess you could say. Cough, cough, John Fisher. <laughs> Making sure I get it right. Glad you, week. glad you learned. Glad you learned. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. You're in this situation. You're taking an already skewed competitive balance towards large market teams that have the ability to spend, and just making it even that much more egregiously bad. This kind of opens up Pandora's box of loopholes to dodge the luxury tax and give the bigger market teams even more of an advantage. So I'm not a fan. Um, That being said, circling it back to the Cubs, please, for the love of God, sign Cody Bellinger, get us another starting pitcher. Let's have a good year. Let's show the Dodgers that even though they just signed Shohei, that that doesn't mean they can lock up the World Series just yet, because I think we have a really good shot at having a good season next year. I can't wait for them to lose in the division series to the 82 and 80 diamondbacks every year. <laughs> that would be freaking hysterical. Honestly, be pretty, that, funny. Be pretty funny. They deserve the karma for what they've done here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys got anything else or are we good to wrap up? Um, I did. I, we did forget. Uh, Tide could not be with us today, but he did leave us some notes. So uh, we hit on most of these points, but I'm just going to rapid fire through these. Um, this is going to kind of be stream of consciousness. I'm just going to read it just how Ty wrote it. Um, who is this man calling defensive plays looks totally different than the beginning of the year. Arg Justin, I need to see some more anticipation BB. Okay. Cubs. So like, what are you going to do now? If Shohei just deferred his whole contract, why couldn't we just sign him for eight, 800 million? Come on, man. Seriously. Cubs sign somebody. Bulls front office is clueless. Hockey is hockey. I'm, I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of my word. I need to buy a Tommy DeVito jersey. Inarticulate Italian noises. Oh, we should probably mention that. So Tig, yes. Tig said in our group chat that if Tommy DeVito beat the Packers, he would buy a Tommy DeVito jersey the next time the opportunity presents itself with his money. So... He says he needs to wait a couple of paychecks, but uh, I expect to see if Tide doesn't wear the Tommy DeVito jersey on stream, like right. he, yeah. he needs to. I, I want to see it. I'm excited. So. Dude, they're sold out. I, I looked this morning to really? see. Well, they're not sold out, but when I looked, they were only selling like XXL and larger. They were all, Jeez. everything else was out. 
That is his big Italians, man. Touchdown, Tommy. Big Let's Italians. go. Tommy freaking Cutlets. The Guido gunslinger. <laughs> Don't you just love a good American story here? It's 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 truly a heartwarming American classic. <laughs> the guy still lives in his parents' basement. I just okay, not his parents' basement. He lives in his parents' house. I think he lives in his childhood room. But yeah. Love it. Can't get more did, Italian than that. Did you see his agent? His agent just straight oh up looks God. like Mafioso. It's amazing. <laughs> that, too. that was really funny. Um, I was watching a clip from Rich Eisen, and Rich Eisen pulled up a picture of uh, Michael Corleone's bodyguard from The Godfather 2. Yeah. And it is the same it, it, it freaking outfit. Exact, yeah. It is so funny. He's got to be doing it for the bit. It, they just, I love oh, that they're man. just leaning into it. Mm-hmm. Well, and his, his agent's getting inducted into the Italian American Sports Hall of Fame in Chicago next That's week. Incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I, I think they moved it to Naperville. I don't know if it's actually in Chicago anymore. Oh, don't say that. Don't yeah. Say, no. It's, it's sad. Anybody who lives in Naperville shouldn't be listening to this part. I'm kidding. Don't stop listening. You can't, we can't afford to alienate viewership, Jordan. We've. <laughs> as long as you say you're from neighborville and not chicago it's fine i I won't judge you but well that's just like asking a cheetah not to run (laughs) you really just (laughs) said don't alienate our viewership and then immediately turned around and alienated our viewership i i never said i wasn't a hypocrite (laughs) (laughs) all right well i think Man, four weeks in a row. Before we get into any more trouble, <laughs> it's probably time to end. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much for watching. Once again, this is a four-star podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DuPont, joined by Andrew Freeman and Nick DeCola. Hopefully, we will have Tyke back soon. Um, yeah, I think we got one more episode. Bef- yes, we got one more episode before I go on vacation. So uh, stay tuned for next week. Uh, make sure you check out the podcast on Twitter at four star pod CHI. Check out the website, website, four star pod CHI.com. You can check Nick out on Twitter at Nicola 21. Tig is at TM Mullen 007. And Andrew's at AJ Freeman 25. You can also see his other work for the Bear Report on 247sports.com, where he does his tracking the trenches report and the picks for polls podcast. Thanks again. Make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Tune in next week and have a good one.